0: Welcome to the La Dota Vita show, a woman's guide to living a fearless and fabulous life. My name is Heather Pickin and I am here to give you that winning formula so that you can get clear on your vision, stay true to your values and break through those mental walls. Check out my free resources at heatherpickin.com. This podcast is brought to you by Fierce Femme Wine, a woman's wine that inspires dialogue for change. Visit FierceFem.com. So let's get ready as we uncover the formula to your success in business, career, and fabulous life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the show where my. Purpose is to uncover the fearless formula. Really, what does it take in order to be a fearless woman in the world today? Uh, whether it is building your amazing business or you know getting to that next level of your career, this is what we do. We break down the formula. And today, uh, I want to talk about my guest, uh, Bailey Hancock. Uh, As we, you know, we're going to be diving into the formula for creating more influence as a female leader in your business and career by using collaboration. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And uh, Bailey is a collaboration consultant who empowers female entrepreneurs to amplify their influence and gain credibility through collaboration to grow their business. Uh, She teaches her clients how to collaborate with well-aligned communities to achieve their goals, and really understanding how to curate uh, your community, formally known as networking, we all know that, and nurture your relationships, um, because that's the key to really building last, long-lasting and mutually beneficial partnerships throughout your life. So Bailey, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm so excited, thank you so much for having me, Heather. Now, before we dive into the formula today, I always like to know someone's uh, you know, story, like your journey of connecting the dots of, you know, some, of the, some of your own fears that have brought you into the place of why you're doing what you're doing.
1: Oh my gosh, you know, my story I feel like it's probably not that dissimilar to a lot of 20-somethings, you know, year old story. I'm 34 now, so I have that, I have that uh the benefit of time to look back of course and be like, "Oh yes, it all made sense." But I was definitely one of those people who was a box checking goal setting, you know, type A personality who I grew up in Florida and you know, I did all the right things growing up. I got good grades. I was really involved in school. Um, I went off to the college that I wanted. I went to undergrad at University of Florida, did very well there. I had a boyfriend that turned into a fiance and then at 23 got married and, you know, was very much on that path of, well, this is what you do with your life. And throughout that first, and, you know, this story kind of peaks at 25 where I, I realize this isn't at all what I want, but I can say with certainty now those first 25 years were very much playing it safe. And they were very much, okay, these are the rules. I'm going to follow them and therefore I will succeed. And I did. But when I got there, I realized, well, wait, this isn't actually what I want to be doing at all. And I hadn't been listening to my intuition along the way. I hadn't been paying attention to the signs that perhaps this path wasn't quite right for me. It was right for many people, but I needed a little bit more out of life. And so when I turned 25, I had a very quintessential quarter life crisis where I burned it all to the ground and essentially you know, got a divorce. We owned a home, we sold it. I ended up moving to Los Angeles to pursue TV show hosting. So you talk about going from playing it very safe to just throwing out all of the rules and just saying, screw it, I'm just gonna, you know, go for it. Um, So I I will pause there for the moment, because there is a lot to unpack. But yeah, I was definitely a rule following, you know, good girl type A that, that colored inside of the lines for the first 25 years. And at that point, I kind of tossed everything out the window, coloring book included, crayons (laughs) and all, and said, you know what, I, I want more than this.
0: I love that. You know, what a great story. It reminds me, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, thinking that was what you wanted. And when you arrived, you know, at that place, it, it, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so I
1: think that's- What a bummer that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, like really getting clear. I, I can remember a time where I thought I wanted like the big house. I got the big house, but it was with the person that I didn't want. And uh, it was a complete disaster. So, so getting really clear. So, so you 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 decided out, you know instead of following the rules, you you moved to Vega. You moved you moved to Las Vegas, and you no Los
1: Angeles. Sorry, I didn't go that crazy. (laughs) Oh, I was
0: gonna say I was I was hearing Vegas in my mind. So Los Angeles. Now I've lived in LA too. So uh you know let's talk a little bit about um that journey being there like did you were you able to uh, achieve your goals there what what exactly what happened
1: Gosh, I think it's so interesting. I think playing by the rules for 25 straight years and then throwing everything out the window was definitely a 180 that perhaps I needed to really shake myself out of that. Um, but it was chaotic, to say the least. And so I got to Los Angeles and I had decided I wanted to pursue TV show hosting. That's why I chose L.A. over anywhere that I had actual a community you know, built. And I knew two people in L.A., got here, immediately realized, wait, just kidding. TV show hosting is not quite right for me. I didn't want all the stuff that came with the entertainment industry. And I fell into a very deep funk. It was like I woke up after about a year and a half of this chaos and suddenly found myself in LA. Like, wait, what just happened? So it it was a very intense time. I was about 26, 27 at this time. And I felt completely and utterly lost because I had just thrown out, you know, everything I had so carefully built and for a half-baked dream that really wasn't even what I wanted either. I think I just needed an excuse and I spent the next like two to three years really just trying different things. I waited tables and bartended. Thank God for that skill because it really helped float me during that chaotic time. And I I worked for some startups. I did some of my own consulting. You know, I was calling myself GSD gal, get shit done. And I was like an accountability coach for people that I worked with at the restaurant. So I was doing all these little experiments during those next three years, just trying to gain Footing Again, I had graduated with my MBA before I left Florida, but I wasn't using it and you know, it wasn't really until I started putting a lot of effort into rebuilding my own community and starting to meet new people in Los Angeles and create that that group around me who you know, they weren't they weren't the friends from back home that was just they were kind of watching me on social being like, Oh, go Bailey Go, like, Oh, you're so brave, and da-da-da. And of course, I'm sure I was hiding a lot of the struggle because you it's embarrassing, right? You like throw everything away and for what? So once I finally started to make new friends in in mostly Santa Monica, where I was living at the time, and building that local community, I was able to start figuring out Okay, I'm over waiting tables. I know that my life is meant for more than this. I like left all of this behind for this grand dream. And then things started falling into place over time. And I ended up working at General Assembly, um, which is this wonderful continuing education company for tech business and design. And that truly, when I got that job, it was like I remembered who I was and not just who I used to be, but who. The version of me was that I saw in glimmers, you know, before, you know, exploding my life. And so everything kind of finally started to come together. And now this is only about five years ago from now. So this has been a very long process. It's been about nine years since this whole thing started falling apart and rebuilding. Um, So there's so many phases within that, but yeah. Mm,
0: what, what a great story, you know, you know, going through all of that chaos to kind of get to the place where you're at today. And, and I know a lot of women, um, whether they have a career or they're building their business, they're, they're faced with fear. So how, do you, how did you deal with fear in those moments in order to kind of catapult you to the next level?
1: You know, one of the best techniques I've ever found for dealing with my own fear is writing in a journal and writing as if I'm talking to a friend and having like this conversation with myself where I'm really confronting those fears head on. So if I'm, you know, there were many times during those two to three years waiting tables where I was like, oh, maybe this is who I really am. You know, maybe I was just lucky for a long time and people gave me chances, but this is it. And then of course, you know, I'd write and I'm like, really, come on, like how many people just move cross country and like have the bravery to do that and go after what they think is a dream. And then also I've learned over the last few years, quitting things that you thought were going to be a big you know, important thing in your life is actually one of the most daring and and fearless things you can do. It's easy to stay in something because you're almost embarrassed to quit because you were perhaps wrong Mm. about the assumption about that you're going to love it. But leaving something in hopes of finding something more aligned to your true self or your highest self or whatever you want to call it is the ultimate act of fearlessness and so i think doing that self-talk in through the journaling has always been very instrumental and really just pulling back on life in general and looking at it you know one of the best things that i've i don't know where i got it if i made it up who can tell but i like to now think of life as like an earth vacation that our souls take right and so when you pose it like that to yourself and you're like okay if I'm going to go on vacation, you know, I'm not going to sit in my hotel room the entire time. That's stupid. That's a waste of money and time. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to see the best things. I'm going to go to the best restaurants. I'm going to have all these experiences because I'm on vacation, damn it. And so now I kind of think of life that way. And it's like, well, I'm not just going to keep letting fear hold me down and keep me in this place that was comfortable for me a few years ago. I want this top shelf VIP, you know, life experience. So that comes with being a little ballsy and getting out there and doing things that aren't comfortable. But the worst that can happen is you die. And then, you know, you have no problems anyway. <laughs> at
0: that point. Absolutely. No, I, I think that that story is so important in how, you know, you're using like journaling, which I'm a big fan of doing to break through the fear Uh, but you know, another question I want to ask you, and this is, I know a lot of women face this, um, they get to that point, whether they're in their career or business and they ask themselves, you know, can I really do this? Like they want to throw in the towel. And and I know for myself, when I was building my business, I'm like, am I really cut out to do this? Like just really a lot of self doubt. So did you ever have those moments in your journey where you were questioning yourself? I mean, I have them at least once a week,
1: (laughs) you know, (laughs) I don't think that ever goes away. And I will tell you, I'm involved in a lot of female entrepreneurial groups and we all feel that way. And frankly, I think that's what separates a normal human being from a psychopath in a sense. Like if you're not... If you're not a little bit nervous about, you know, doing whatever brave thing you're doing, then perhaps your emotions aren't in check, you know? I mean, like when you're an entrepreneur and even when you have a a professional career, if you're constantly feeling safe, you're probably not pushing yourself and you're probably not trying hard enough. And I am all for having moments where you coast and you enjoy everything you've worked for and you're not hustling constantly. I think that's, those are the beautiful moments in between these hard times. However, if you're a growth mindset person and you want more out of your life, you kind of recognize that it is this pattern, you know, you work really, really hard, you hustle, 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 and then you flow, you hustle, 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 and then you flow. And you will have those moments of self doubt. Literally. I think when you're an entrepreneur, I think the cycles are shorter. You know, you have these peaks and then you have these valleys and then you have these peaks. And you know, it's different than if you're going up for a promotion every two years, like you're not getting that adrenaline rush as often, which is, it'll probably shorten all of our lives, but who knows? Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, pushing past those times really comes back to remembering why you're doing it at all. And when I'm having those days where I'm like, there is no possible way that somebody is ever going to pay me for this ever again. Who the hell am I to offer anything that I'm doing? We all have those moments, even the people that are 15, 20 years in their career. I promise I have asked them. And it comes back to, yeah, but they have before. And also, you're good at what you do. You wouldn't be still in business if you weren't. People would have figured you out by now. And I'm so insanely passionate about what I do with my clients that the idea of taking that away from them feel sad for them because I know how much they'd love working with me and how happy they are when we're finished. So it's keeping the big picture front and center. I have so many like little motivational things in front of me on my desk every day. I have a very clear calendar of goals in front of me. I literally keep things front and center because when I spiral out, I can very quickly come back and be like, okay, you're fine. Everything's fine. You're having a tough day. Maybe go on a walk around the block, come back, refresh, light some sage, do what you got to do, and come back to the purpose of why you're doing any of this at all.
0: Mm, I definitely agree. I think a lot of women get distracted. And I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that. You know, you have those days too. I know I have those days. I recently launched um, my wine label oh, called Pure wow. which is about creating a dialogue for change for women and leadership. And it—I will tell you—that journey has been very challenging, and it's still challenging. It's like another thing that I'm tackling. Mm-hmm. And there are, are those moments going, "Wow, this is freaking hard." <laughs> It is. <laughs> I I appreciate that conversation. And, you know, women can listen to this or, or watch this and say, wow, okay. I'm not the only one that's alone. No matter how much you evolve in your business or your career, you're you're always gonna have that fear. But it's how you it's how you break through that, right? Break the- it it. Just get over
1: it. I always pose this back on women because we hate being called selfish. I always say, like, if you're keeping your gifts from the world, you are being selfish. And people are like, "What? No, I'm not. I'm not selfish." I'm like, "Well, you're being selfish by second guessing yourself and not reaching out to that partner that you really want to work with, or by not launching that new program. Like, you are keeping what you know needs to be on the outside in, which means nobody can benefit it, from it—not even you. You're going to be eaten alive by it. So, like, what is the upside? And that usually shakes people out, myself included, enough to be like, "Well, okay." all right, you're right. I'm just going to put it out there. And you know, worst case scenario, nobody buys it, but they can't buy it. If it's inside of me anyway,
0: I like that. I use that too. Worst case scenario. It's like, okay, if I, if I'm doing this, what, what is really the worst thing that can happen? You know, you're going to be fine yeah exactly so bailey let's move further into talking about being an influencer creating uh collaboration which i'm a big believer in Mm -hmm. how did you get started and what was that kind of light bulb moment that you knew that this was something viable
1: my background was always in event management and marketing and when i got that job at general assembly I got hired. Basically, they told me we need somebody to pass out the Kool-Aid and get people to ask for seconds. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And so the whole main goal of my job was grow the community. We were brand new in Los Angeles. We had done well in New York. So it was getting into the Los Angeles tech scene basically and establishing ourselves as like the hub for all things tech business and design. And the main strategy was doing events in the space. We happen to have a beautiful venue Which is hard to come by, especially for free. So my strategy was, well, sure, we could run a bunch of events ourselves, but we're not really growing the community that way. We're hoping random people stumble in off the street. Why don't we instead trade our space for communities who are already doing events or classes or workshops in exchange for promotion? And so I kind of launched our partnerships program that way and we had crazy growth because we were getting you know, 50 to 100 brand new people in the space every single day and we were just hosting. We weren't having to organize and coordinate and execute all of these events. So it worked out beautifully and then I started expanding that to other things like digital tactics or even doing some local sponsorships of well-aligned communities. But that was the kicker was well-aligned community. It couldn't be just anybody because they weren't going to convert into students if they were the wrong type of person. So I started getting very good at identifying who our perfect, absolute, you know, 100% dead-on student was who just didn't know about us yet, but as soon as they did, would become a student. And so I leveraged my community that I had started building about a year or so before, and that exploded, which was amazing. I mean, anytime you're the gatekeeper for another community – people just start to know you. So I really came into my own in those two years that I worked for GA because I was I was the girl you had to go through to work with GA and I was running all of those programs. So I started, you know, I went from events and marketing to six months after I started there getting promoted to um, global business development and partnerships. And so then I was doing this for multiple campuses and then I got moved up one more time and um, you know, it was also at the phase in the company where they were going from startup to more formal and, you know, it, things shift that way. It was a transition and it wasn't quite the right fit anymore, but I was on to something and I realized that partnerships and collaboration as a growth strategy, not only is almost free, um, it's also the most fun and it has the biggest benefit because people are inherently distrustful of overt promotions but they're not distrustful if one community that they already trust says, Hey, you guys should know about this community. They've already done the vetting for you. So you inherently trust them more and then they're in, you know? And so I ended up working at an ad agency for about a year after that, which was also a very bad fit, but grew my network in different ways. And then I went out on my own two years ago in October. And there were tons of moments where I was like, this can't really be a job, right? Like, this seems way too fun and obvious. Um, And the biggest struggle I've had with that in the last two years is educating people on what the hell a collaboration consultant is and why they need that in their business. But I can see it every day that goes by more and more, especially female entrepreneurs are like, Oh, collaboration. I understand now sign me up. And so I'm at that tipping point where people get it now and I'm not having to explain it as much. And it feels like, an obvious choice for people. But I still pinch myself every day that I get to essentially make friends and help them learn to play together for a living. That's how I explain it to my eight year old nephew. (laughs) I
0: I love that. I mean, now more and more you see, whether it be online or offline, uh, women building communities. And there's so much power uh, in, in women getting together, you know, really supporting each other. I mean, historically, Women have always been the community builders. So, yes,
1: that's what I always say. We've been doing this since caveman times. You know, this is so natural for us. We've just, for so many years, been told to fight against each other, and there's only room for one of us. And that's shifting in a big way. I get goosebumps even thinking about it because it's like, I see what happens when we combine our power and our voices. We are unstoppable i mean look at all the movements happening around us right now it's 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 intimidatingly amazing like and i'm so so grateful to have any sort of
0: role in it whatsoever it really is you know i feel like we're living in an interesting time where (laughs) for so many years we have been dominated and i will say by the the masculine energy and now there's this kind of uprising where we're coming more into the feminine energy. So there's gonna be more of a balance, if not probably more of a shift more to the feminine until it kind of equals out. But I, I feel like all of these things are going through are necessary in order for us to evolve you know, to, to the next level. So I'm, I'm really excited to look at some of the changes instead of going, wow, everything is horrible out there. No, there's, there's, you know, you can't have darkness without light. So (laughs) those peaks and
1: valleys go together. Otherwise they neither can exist.
0: Exactly, exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about this collaboration aspect and how you're helping clients. Can you give me some examples of specific things or strategies that you've done?
1: Absolutely. So most of my clients are female entrepreneurs. It's probably about a 70-30 split service to product-based businesses. Um, But what we do together is really take a hard look at their business and figure out, okay, what are your goals? What are you actually trying to do right now? And what of those goals can be supported and amplified by collaborating with others? So a lot of what we work on is figuring out what it is that they want And then what it is that they have to give, who their perfect target market is and where they're hanging out. A lot of people have many questions around how do you find a partner? How do you know who you should work with? And it comes down to being very clear on what it is that you want and who it is you're trying to reach out to. So one of the easiest tips for figuring out where to find good partners, I always say, you know, first and foremost, if you already have a community ask them, like, what newsletters are you subscribed to? What podcast do you listen to? What Facebook groups are you a member of? Because those are clues for where other people like them are hanging out, and that's who you partner with. Um, and, you know, with the advent of Facebook Live and Instagram Live and IGTV, and there are so many channels through which you can do co-produced content or events that it almost is kind of ridiculously easy now to get in front of another community. I mean, what you and I are doing right now is a version of collaboration. Um, and it actually ties into a program that I'm launching in the next couple of months called expertise for exposure. And it's exchanging your knowledge and your expertise. Like I am right now for promotion to a new well-aligned community, which is what you have. So People usually get in their own heads a lot about what collaboration means. They think it's this massive ordeal. It can literally be as simple as being on each other's podcasts. It can be as simple as going live on Instagram, you know, taking turns, going to each other's community, letting them know about this friend of yours that you've made that like, you know, She's got a great podcast. You should really listen to it. I think you're going to love it. If you love mine, you'll definitely love hers. Um, So it can be as basic as that and as grand as, you know, a multi-vendor, multi-partner event that has a lot of moving parts and there's a giveaway attached and there's speakers and, you know, it can be as big or as small as you want. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is to make sure that you're aligning yourself with a company, organization, or individual who have the same mission vibe, and audience as you. And those three are most important because if your missions aren't aligned, it's going to feel weird and disjointed to each of your communities for you to partner. If your vibe is not on the same page, you're literally speaking different languages. You know, as you, as you come to a community, you know, if they're very, we'll say woo, and you're being very type A, and you're being very business speak, it's going to feel they're not gonna gonna hear you. And then if your audiences aren't aligned, then what are you doing? I use the example with my clients that, you know, if you were looking for a boyfriend and you were only hanging out in gay bars, like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're in the wrong place. That isn't your audience, you know? So those three things, it's as simple as that in terms of finding the right people to collaborate with. And then just hearing them when they tell you what they're focused on. We all come in like guns a-blazing, being like, well, I need to do this, I need to do that. But if you're not opening up and asking the potential partner, well, what are you focused on right now? A, you might miss a very easy opportunity for you to work together and B, you might come at them and pitch yourself in all the wrong ways because it's not, it's not going to be appealing to them. So I mean, obviously I could talk about this for a hundred years because it's my favorite subject and it's what I do, but I think it's, you know, the whole point of it is usually to amplify your message and grow your business, grow your community. And there's 150 million ways that you can do that under the collaboration umbrella.
0: I I love that. I definitely agree. And I appreciate that, you know, you said, be careful on how you're approaching it. You don't want to just kind of be salesy or throw it in their face. Like, you generally want to find out what someone's up to. Uh, yeah. So, I think that's so critical because I see a lot of people online in particular, they will, uh, you know, they'll just connect with you and all this, they're just selling your stuff. You know, they're selling their stuff. They're pushing their It's like, that is You're not like, a did break. you
1: even read my bio? Like, well, this has nothing to do. What are you talking? It's so weird. Well, I get it too. I'm sure you get it with the podcast. I get reached out to. With people being like, I should be on your show. And I'm like, you've definitely never even read the description of the show because you're completely the wrong fit. Like, try, at least kind of try. You know, there's so much to be said for that outreach email or that first pitch, but people do it so wrong that if you do it even half right, you already have a better chance.
0: (laughs) It's so true. In matter of fact, just today, I got an email from someone that wanted to be on my show that they totally did not listen to my show. So it was just such a mismatch and I'm like, I don't think so. It's just a waste Um, of everybody's time, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now let's talk about, so we're talking about collaboration, the power of leverage in your business and developing those relationships. Cause I think that's really key. Just like you would have a personal relationship. So. What are some of your strategies once you find someone that is a great person to collaborate? How do you nurture that relationship?
1: I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like a personal relationship. Um, I always say that, you know, I partner with people, not companies, because companies are just a building full of people. And if you can build and nurture a relationship, with your primary point of contact, say it's a big company, let's even say it's a one-on-one situation with entrepreneur to entrepreneur, act like you give a crap, you know, like this goes back to saying like, do a little homework figure out who they are and what they're actually trying to do with their career, with their business, with whatever, um, pay attention. You know, there are so many ways to stay up on what people and companies are doing anymore. I live and die by LinkedIn, honestly, like I'm on it every single day because it just makes it easy to keep up with who your people are. So if you're starting a relationship, it's, you know, I I think with partnerships, like it's easier to just, Get on a call and kind of get to know that person best you can and then just try something together, right? Like very low hanging fruit opportunity could be, I'll promote, you know, your next three blog pieces. If you promote my next three podcast episodes, start small. It's fine. You're dating at this point. You're not trying to marry the person. You're just experimenting. And then once you start going, the relationship will also naturally build. And I think always, like, don't just jump straight into business if you're on a call. Like, check in, follow them on all of their platforms, comment on their stuff. Like, and don't do it in a way that's contrived. Like, genuinely be curious about these people and these companies because. They are essentially your friends, your connections. Um, And then, you know, when you're done partnering, I always feel like that relationship should never fully end because the best types of partners are ones that you can, you know, go back to over and over and keep doing new things with, because it's, that's like being in a long-term relationship. You know, you're not having to go through the awkward early phases of dating. You already know who they are and what they want. So you're better able to come up with ideas that you know they're going to like because you know what they need to get out of it. Um, And you've already kind of established this trust. And I will say of all the things that I harp on, trust is the number one most important pieces of not only building a relationship, but collaborating. If you don't trust that person, you're kind of, you're done before you started, right? Like you can go through the motions, but trust is so instrumental in working with others and collaborating with others and having relationships with others, Um, so it's, you know, it's also reaching out when you don't need something, right? It's making deposits before you withdraw. It's, and that just comes with staying up on their lives through whatever social platform or hell, even sending them an email out of nowhere being like, Hey, just thinking of you hope all's well. That goes so far. When I get those emails, I'm like, Oh, somebody is thinking about me and they don't need anything from me. That's really nice. And you have this warm, fuzzy feeling about them and It's just, it's kind of common sense, but we overthink it just like we overthink everything.
0: (laughs) It's so true. And this same strategy I can see also working with women that are trying to uh, maybe change their career, go to the next level. Uh, I had a friend uh, who I met uh, here, uh, gosh, when she first moved here, we met at a networking event. And I thought it was really strategic of her because she was asking hey, you know, who here is looking for X, Y, and C? So she was not an entrepreneur, but I thought her approach was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends, gosh, for eight years now.
1: <laughs> I mean, it can happen, you guys. It's just about showing a genuine interest in somebody. And you're 100% right that's why like my overall grand scheme is collaboration, um, but it can be used for literally every part of your life because it's finding good people who you connect with and then doing things with and for each other that support your goals, be it in your career, your business, your personal life. Like collaboration is just working well with other humans and being a good person and supporting whatever it is they're trying to do. And it, you know, that's why for me, it's, I literally, I just got a new tattoo and it's, I don't know if you can see, it's the Venn diagram. And I just got this as a daily reminder that you're always looking for the middle piece on that Venn diagram, the overlap between you and the person standing in front of you, or you and the company you're trying to collaborate or work with. We all have things in common. Sometimes you just have to dig a bit. And when you can find that place Everything is just so much easier when you start at the place of commonality and you have that trust and you're genuine about the connection. It's magical what can happen.
0: I I love that. And, you know, speaking of connections, we were talking about LinkedIn, Uh, I actually love LinkedIn because I feel it's a little bit different than Instagram and Facebook, uh, a little bit more professional in my opinion. But in the past, gosh, in the past two weeks, I have really connected with some really interesting people Mm -hmm. where we're going to do some collaboration things. So I, I just, I really appreciate that. So let, let's tie, my last question, let's tie this all together, because I totally believe after studying, gosh, for years and interviewing over hundreds of very successful, influential entrepreneurs, they all have one thing in common, and that is a daily success ritual. Mm-hmm. So what are, the, what are the practices that you do every day? Like, do you have a morning routine? What does that look like?
1: You know, it's funny, when I'm on my game, my morning routine is locked. And it's essentially, I grab my coffee, I sit in my comfy chair in my office and I will light my Palo Santo and my sage. I'll put on my insight timer meditation app where it's just like nature sounds. And I give myself about 15 minutes of, I I don't even know if I want to call it meditation because I'm not quieting my mind. I'm really just more observing my mind and my thoughts. I'm letting people pop into my brain. I'm letting ideas come to the surface I'm expressing gratitude. I'm actively envisioning and feeling how I want to feel in the coming, you know, day, week, month, 10 years. So I really take that 15 minutes to just be present, be really mindful of what it is that I'm doing here. Like, because if you start your day by just jumping out of bed and going into your daily tasks, it's so easy to forget the point of why are we doing any of this? And that's when I get flustered. That's when I get really rage filled over the dumbest little things when I'm not starting from a place of calm and, you know, centeredness, um, But I will say like, I, that's also one of the first things to go when I get busy and you know, this is another good reminder. It's been coming up a lot lately. People are like, what do you do in the morning? I'm like, well, when I'm good. And then I'm like, why couldn't that be today? So it's a good reminder to get back to it because you're right. It's so instrumental in my success. And I will say the other thing that I consistently do weekly is Sunday nights, I sit down and I have a physical calendar that's like a notepad with just those five days that hangs in front of my laptop. And I copy down all of my appointments and meetings and calls from my computer onto that physical notepad. And I take a bird's eye view of the week that's coming up. And it really helps me set the tone for, okay, what kind of week am I about to have? Am I nonstop all week? Am I actually getting any work done? Or is this going to be a week where there's a lot of empty space that I'm going to actually be able to think and do some deep work? So it just helps set the tone. So Monday doesn't feel like I'm being thrown out of an airplane. It's more like walking confidently into a space that I already know, you know, the lay of the land. Um, I think that one is a very instrumental piece for me because I'm a very organized, task-oriented goal person. And to have it all right in front of me constantly helps me stay very sane, even during times of chaos.
0: Absolutely, yes. We all need a morning routine. So I definitely appreciate that. And before we go today, where can people learn about you? I'll also post those in the show notes just in case uh, people are looking for the links.
1: So I make it very easy. My name is Bailey Hancock, but there's no E in Bailey. So it's B-A-I-L-Y. That is my handle on all of the things. That's my website, baileyhancock.com. It's probably easiest to start with Instagram, to be honest, because everything's there and you know, you can introduce yourself. I think that's how we met right on Instagram. Yeah. You reached out (laughs) on Instagram. I love it. Instagram is still, it's my favorite platform um, because you really get a little peek into people's lives with the advent of Instagram stories. It's like you understand who they are as a daily person more. I've had more people who, you know, are authors of books that I love, or they're, you know, in charge of these amazing companies. I've just reached out on Instagram message and we're connected now and we're friends. So come find me. It's at Bailey Hancock, B-A-I-L-Y Hancock like John and introduce yourself, please. Obviously I like making new friends. So I, I love,
0: love it. You. I love it. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Bailey, for sharing your formula for being a fearless and fabulous woman. Uh, and you know, I I just think these strategies are so important. We can implement them right now Mm -hmm. and they can reach out to you. We can all get connected. And one more thing before we go, if you could share one of your fearless quotes that really just aligns you, gets you all on fire and ready to go. You know,
1: my go-to quote, and I don't even know if it's very fearless, but it's nothing is forever good or bad. And I come back to that during times of questioning everything or during crappy times in my life when something inevitably goes wrong cuz I'm a person and that's what happens to us. So when you're in that moment of sadness or despair or anger or frustration, I come back to the okay, this isn't forever. This will this too shall pass. And then in times of really great, you know, achievement and happiness and love and excitement, I remember that too because that helps me kind of encapsulate that moment and really hang on to those feelings, knowing that this also is not forever. So it's like finding comfort in those highs and lows, knowing that they're fleeting, good or bad, either way. That kind of keeps me in the middle somewhere and it allows me to constantly have new barometers for what high is and what low is, which I think those always change for us throughout our lives. So it's helped me during times of real deep, dark sadness to know that, yeah, but with every bit of sadness comes like a really great
0: time. So yeah, that's mine. Nothing's forever good or bad. I love it. I love it. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this show. And if you found this absolutely fabulous, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. If you're listening or watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button because you'll get notified when new episodes are uploaded. Until next time, this is Heather Picken. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Interested in becoming a sponsor or learning more about leadership for women's performance using neuroscience or business coaching, contact support at HeatherPickin.com. And don't forget to grab my latest book, The La Doce Vita Formula, by going to fearlessandfabulousbook.com. That's fearlessandfabulousbook.com dot com